0: Very spooky Wow
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I feel like we're suddenly in marvelous Mrs. Mazel. By the way, that you just did, Showhand. <laughs> Hello, good morning. Good, How's it morning. Go? good morning. Good morning. What a glorious morning!
2: Uh, hold on, I need to get Le-
1: Leia. Come here. Just screaming. Uh, whatever. Well, if you hear a cat screaming in the background, what I love about Leia's appearances is that she triggers all the other cats who listen to our podcast to to suddenly become a little bit more engaged. Yeah.
2: They they're like, wait, what, mom? Mom Where's that cat come from me? coming from?
1: Whoa, where's <laughs> A great start to the podcast. We're both stuttering
2: already. It's early morning for me. I just woke up. I'm a little bit in Christmas mood. I
1: drank mold mm. wine last night. You know, it's Oh so good. It is what it is. I need a good mold wine recipe. I've tried making it three times now and every single time has been a fail. But I'm going to try again. Yeah. Because you can do it. I'll perfect it one day. Yes. You'll have to, did you buy yours or did you make yours? I bought one that like a wine that you can heat up,
2: but then I added uh seasonings and spices. Spices. Okay.
1: Perhaps you can send me your proportions. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Appreciate it. Uh this is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And
2: we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hey. And I'm Sabrina. And uh
0: Here
1: we are. Corinne
2: told me she has a monologue for me, so I'm excited to just (laughs) sit back,
1: relax, and listen. Listen. Okay, well, because I have two things. The last two episodes, I've basically given, I don't know if you can call them teasers, but I I wanted to tell you something that I saw on our Facebook page that I'm so excited about. (laughs) And when I was home in Vermont, my parents, we all spent like an hour going through all of the comments and reading them out loud and talking about them. But Ooh. one of our listeners posed a question that said, does anyone have any weird phobias? Like not talking about heights or spiders, snakes, dying, right. you know, the normal phobias, but just like really strange phobias. So I wrote down, I think, about 10 from different listeners. Oh my gosh, Wait, I this is through. so fun. There were, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that there were like 600 comments. Whoa. Okay. So Anastasia oh said... That when I lose track of people in the grocery store, it's because they never actually existed in the first place. And we're just (laughs) a very elaborate delusion. (laughs) Is that what I am? Is that why people don't don't see me? That might be. That might be why everyone's so confused and they're just frozen because they're like, oh, no, it's happening again. I always see the same woman. It's you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a very elaborate illusion. That's kind of fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, Haley said someone poking her belly button. And going completely into her insides. Oh my god! I totally agree with that. <laughs> like my
2: belly button terrifies me because I don't know where it ends. That it is really scary.
1: Yeah, mine's like pretty deep, which is same. Gross. Same. I feel like so many people have these like surface level belly buttons where you can see all Nick. the way in, and I'm like, I don't know. Like I think if I poked hard enough, mine could go further. I think it could go all the way like into my <laughs> organs. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Uh Mary said her fear is having her eyeballs plucked out. Ooh, that's a good which, one. Which yeah, I think I think that's going to be a new fear that I adopt because now I'm thinking about anytime someone like approaches you aggressively or tries to attack you, is the first thing they do going to be plucking your eyeballs out?
2: Ugh. I mean, if someone tried to attack me, the first thing I would do is go for their eyeballs.
1: Yeah. So maybe this is maybe this is more rational of a fear. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't happen often, but I
2: think we can still be. Afraid I will of it. say when I write outlines and and stuff and do stuff on Prodigal, one of like my favorite things to do is something gross to the eyes.
1: Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Ew. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just visualizing it. I've seen too much, too many television shows where there's like an eyeball popped out, and it's just freaking. Exactly. Gross. I'm gonna faint on the podcast right now. <laughs> so gross. Oh Okay. Uh, Kurt is afraid of shower drains. Ooh. Which I kind of am too. I, I I grew out of the fear, but I remember when I was younger, definitely being afraid of shower drains a bit, huh. and just the suction that happens. Being like, oh my god, am I going to get stuck? Am I going to get sucked through the drain? Maybe I
2: have really low powered drains because I don't think I've been afraid of a drain.
1: Really, but there's like a little get that. water tornado going mm. funnel through the mm-hmm. drain. S A is afraid of their knees being tickled. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that one. Uh, Kelly is afraid of Achilles tendons. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel that Me too. Especially if you haven't seen House of Wax uh, and you're not afraid uh, of Achilles tendons or, or things happening to them. I don't know. Maybe just like watch the movie or don't.
2: No, or you don't. should. That's the first scary movie I watched. One of House of Wax. Yeah,
1: it's mm-hmm. it's is that the? Do you remember the first scary movie you've ever seen? It was a double feature.
2: Well, okay, The Mummy is the first scary movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So. To me. But then I did a double feature. We did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and House of Fox at the same time.
1: Oh my gosh. Those are, those are like the two classics, Mm -hmm. early 2000s, horrible, scary movies. My first scary movie was Signs. So so I was eight years old and I was out of sleepover and my mom was not happy about that.
2: I love that you were eight years old. I was 14
1: Yep, or 15. It shouldn't have happened when I was out of sleepover (laughs) with parents who were not uh, overly concerned with what we were oh. popping into the DVD player or VHS player at the time, so. Now you make sense to me, Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron is afraid of biting down on a popsicle stick. I think Ugh. the feeling of the, like, wood stick, I feel that. It's Megan is afraid of round pizza cutters. Oh, my gosh. They are sharp. And they slide. They glide quick. So yeah. I understand. Yeah. Like, it's almost like when people say they don't like dyson vacuums which i love dysons and they're like it's hard to control i feel the same way about a pizza cutter like sometimes you don't really get Mm -hmm. a a controlled glide it's just it could slice whatever is in front of it Mm -hmm. Uh, Shanny is afraid of claymation which is so understandable it's very creepy yeah that's why Coraline is so scary yeah andy's afraid of bell pepper seeds while they're in the bell pepper so once they're out of the bell pepper, they're totally fine. He gave more of an explanation, but in the bell pepper, disturbing. I kind of agree with that. That's like one of my least favorite things about cutting bell peppers, but I think they gross little me seeds. out outside too. There is an actual phobia. Our friend Nikita actually has it where it's like little dots or clusters of holes. Mm-hmm. I've That's heard a, of that. Yeah. I wonder if the bell pepper seeds uh, maybe are a bit of that for certain people. Oh, um, and then Alan, he's the last one I wrote down. He's afraid of pressure cookers. Which the name pressure cooker does sound like it could just go off and explode and be unpredictable, so.
2: Well, don't people make pressure cooker bombs?
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe.
2: I'm afraid to Google it. That's a blind spot (laughs) knowledge. I
1: can Google it because I already Google weird shit. Yeah, you can Google it. Actually, so I've been rewatching New Girl and one of the best lines happened the other day where Nick, Nick Miller, it was the Nick Miller line, and he was talking about potentially dying and he was like i haven't cleared my internet history i wasn't making a bomb i was just curious (laughs) i was like that is most of people's browsing history just like i swear i wasn't doing anything i was just curious about it
2: but yeah pressure cooker bombs were used in the boston marathon bombing oh shit
1: Mm -hmm. oh my god
2: that's a very very valid fear
1: yeah that's that's real they all are yes yeah but if if people are not on our facebook group already you should join because we have like a 600 <laughs> comment thread of just amazing phobias oh listed my gosh. and a lot of fun stuff. I think once we did a
2: thread about like what your first job was, and I just love that one too.
1: Yes. My very favorite thread was when everyone posted their the shiny lips of their pets. <laughs> the little shiny lips. We had like little bunnies. We had little chinchillas and dogs and so cats. It was adorable. Oh, little shiny oh. animal lips. We so got cute. good threads.
2: We got good threads. Our threads are
1: hopping, hopping. We did. We did no work. Other people are doing it, but we yeah. just get to enjoy, <laughs> enjoy it. I also have a little bit, almost possibly, a ghost story for you from my mother, <sighs> who called. Hey, what? Okay. I'm not surprised. This
2: is like, of course I should expect it.
1: Well, this didn't happen in our house, which is what's interesting. Really the majority of the story, you think she's just helping out and doing good. But essentially what happened was she was on the road and had stopped to get gas. Uh And as she was filling up, she noticed this one woman who looked so, so concerned, like really scared, really frightened. And the woman started to approach her. And normally my mom would be like, just, you know, like, stay in the car or ignore the person like stranger danger. She's very Mm -hmm. paranoid, but she said something about this woman's face just made her be like, okay, I need to be open and approachable to this woman. So she made eye contact and the woman started approaching her and was like, I'm so sorry to do this, but do you have a dollar? She was like, I realized I I don't have my wallet on me. I have my two girls in the back of my car. I live 20 minutes from here. I have hardly any gas. I'm not going to make it home. And I just literally have no clue what to do. And it was super, super cold in New England. So just the thought, I'm sure, of being stuck on the side of the road, potentially, with your two young kids and yeah. in the middle so of nowhere. Scary. And who knows if if she knew anyone around, if she was new to town. We don't know. But anyway, so my mom was like, oh, my God, of course, and gives her a $10 bill to go uh, fill up her tank. Mm -hmm. And so the woman is like, thank you, like keeps on being like, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Goes inside to give the gas attendant the cash so that he can apply $10 of gas to the uh, station. And my mom says, okay, well, I'm going to stay outside. I'm going to watch to just, I know you said you have two little girls in in your car. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to, you know. Keep Stay, keep a lookout yeah. and make sure everything's okay when you're inside paying. I don't oh. and so my mom watches and everything's fine and, and the woman is is inside and my mom eventually starts walking back to her car and she gets a tug on the back of her jacket and she's thinking, Oh my gosh, does someone else need my help? Like what's happening? Is did something happen? Is it like one of the kids? I don't know. She's she's confused. And so she turns around and there's absolutely no one there. And she's looking around and she was like, that's so strange. And it was such a like physical tug on the back of her jacket. And so she was telling me this and she was like, I don't know. It's really weird. Like maybe it was nothing. And I was like, I don't know. I think based on how fearful that woman looked in the moment and how concerned she was. And my mom giving her enough money to get home and also like watching over her car to make sure her kids were okay. I was like, I feel like there was some guardian, someone that day that was watching over her. And gave a little tug of a thank you to my mom. Whoa. So that's so cool. Yeah, that's the story. We don't really know exactly what it was, but it was wasn't the wind. It wasn't anything wow. like that. It was it was a tug on the back of her jacket. <laughs> <laughs> to tug at my heartstrings is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. do good deeds because a ghost to me just thank you. Um, I want a
2: ghost to thank me. Okay, say that out loud. Never mind. Don't I, don't, don't You don't need to make contact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like the wow. idea too that, you know, it, of course, we're making leaps and making assumptions here, but I like the idea that, you know, there was someone looking out for this woman and her kids and had maybe worked with my mom's own uh, spirit guides or whoever yeah, and worked with and, the coworkers, yeah, found a way to bring them together, being like, this is the <laughs> the safest solution in this moment.
2: Oh, uh, I also love to think that that spirit is super connected to the woman that your mom helped. And it's just like always by that woman's side.
1: Yeah. Like a
2: family member.
1: It reminds me too of, um. I remember I had said way back when earlier on the podcast that my mom, when she was raising my brother and I, and my dad was working a lot, He he still works a lot, but <laughs> His physical location and and time commitment in the nighttime has changed. She's not traveling anymore. So, but before she was alone a lot with me and my brother as young kids and when she would have really tough days and she was really sad and like we weren't in school yet. So she didn't have many friends when Mm -hmm. she was having a really hard time. The scent of her grandmother's powder would fill up the room that she was in. So it kind of reminds me of that, of like, maybe this woman has a relative that's just in her roughest moments always appears to be like, it's okay. I'm going to we'll figure, help you figure out. this out. Yes. Uh, that's so sweet. Yeah. One of my coworkers, he was like, I don't believe in ghosts, but I believe in spirits. <laughs> we were kind of <laughs> talking about that. Um, uh-huh. And he said the same thing happens that his mother. Wow, oh. I can't, I'm spending a lot of time with my dad. I can tell because I normally say mom and he always says mother and I keep saying mother. <laughs> so Norman Bates of you? Yeah. <laughs> mother. It's creepy. Mother. But... Yeah, his mom also had a similar situation where she'll once in a while get a whiff of the room will be filled with her grandmother's perfume. Oh, I love that. Yes. All the good all the good smells, everybody's looking out for each other. And the money, the I season. mean That I mean your mom is very giving. That's very yeah, nice. Yeah, I I think in that moment too she probably, you know, f- felt for saw mm-hmm. herself in that woman with two younger kids in the back yeah, being like, course. "Oh my god, I can only imagine. I would be freaking out too.
2: That's happened to me before where I forgot my wallet and I'm low on gas. And I had to ask a coworker to come to a gas station and help me because I
1: wouldn't have made it home. Oh, gosh. It's so scary when that happens. I know. At least in LA, the gas stations are pretty much always open. That's true. What I learned moving back to New England is that you can't just drive at 11 p.m. and be like, oh, I'll go fill up my tank. They're closed. They're closed. (laughs) You're done.
2: New Jersey, too, because New Jersey, you can't pump your own gas.
1: Things to think about. Everyone should be thinking about this, especially holiday season is around. And if you're out grabbing food and gifts for people, make sure you fill up your gas tank. You don't want to be stuck in a scary situation.
0: CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio.
1: This week, we decided to revisit the traditional topic when you think of storytelling and ghosts Mm -hmm. haunted houses haunted houses which honestly i think haunted houses are one of my favorite topics and my mom now i feel like she's been a little bit more invested in the podcast and she's (laughs) up to date and so she listens to the recent ones and she called me and she was like what are you doing for next week's topic and i said Uh haunted houses and she was like oh i love haunted houses (laughs) so me too there are so many So, this is really the topic that's unlimited, you know? Yes. Because think about how many people just live in haunted houses that we don't, you know, there's published stories and then there's the stories that everybody lives in their ordinary lives. Maybe not our inbox because they're haunted. Filled with haunted house stories. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'll go first. Yay. I chose to visit Greenwich Village in Mm. New York City. It is one of the most sought-after neighborhoods in Manhattan, and the residential streets are lined with revivalist Greek brownstones, arching trees. It's so beautiful. It's right by Washington Square Park. Just ugh, gorgeous and money, money expensive. It's one of the prettiest neighborhoods. People go and, and photograph it and just walk the streets. And then nestled amongst these homes is one house known as the House of Death. Oh, my God, it is located at fourteen West Tenth Street. And this house was built back in eighteen fifty six And within a few decades, bad luck began to fall upon the residents of this home in eighteen ninety seven Fred H. Andrews, he was a cycling celebrity. He moved into the home and while he was living in the house, He had a moment of reckless cycling where he hit a young boy when he was on his bike. And this young boy was eight years old. He ended up breaking his leg. Andrew was arrested. And this was the first moment that kind of started the string of bad luck, the string of darkness and odd things happening to people that didn't happen prior in any of the other homes that they lived in. But this house kind of seemed to bring these bad situations to the people that resided in the home. So, three years after Fred Andrew lived there, a new resident moved in, and I think most people will recognize this name. It was Mark Twain. Oh, my gosh. What? Yes. yes. Mark Twain. Mark Twain. The Mark Twain. Yes. Mr. Mister Twain. Mr. Twain, uh, our good friend. <laughs> we could have been friends with him. We don't know what we did in our past lives.
2: We also could still be friends with him if he's a ghost.
1: Yeah, true. And Mark? he is. So Mark <laughs> Twain, he lived in the home for only one year. So he was there just over 12 months. But there is a small bronze plaque that is put or lives, I guess, outside of the home to honor him. So, though Mm. he was only there for a short amount of time, his residence will never be forgotten. So, Mark Twain, he had heard rumors prior to moving into this home. He'd heard rumors that this house was already haunted. It was haunted. It had a bad string of luck to anyone who moved in and so on. But Mark Mm. Twain, he was pretty skeptical and he was basically like, hey, everybody, I know I use my imagination to write fictional narratives, but I can only bend my mind so far. Ghosts are not real. Everything can be explained. But this also kind of shouldn't really come as mm, that big of a surprise because he did write 30 years prior a ghost story, which, you know, you could you could look at that movie or now it's a movie. Sorry. Now it's a (laughs) movie with Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. You can now look at that story or that movie as, you know, a paranormal ghost story movie. But really, he wrote it to express his disbelief and to sort of like mm. mock the paranormal in a way. So he really was like, I don't believe in ghosts. la da I don't care. I'm moving into La-dee-da. this house. la are da People are being paranoid. People are having their superstitions, but I'm not buying into it. So I move again. So Mark Twain, he does it. He's like, whatever, man, I'm in. Beautiful house, beautiful street, no problem. So he's nearing the end of his career at this point. He is battling with bankruptcy and he's also battling with depression. And he's attempting to write a few more great pieces before he passes away because he's he's an older man at this point. So he moves in, has all these things going on, has the goal of writing these new pieces. But to his dismay, some odd things begin to happen in this home. So they're super... Some of them are he considers to be super explainable. He's like, everything has an explanation. But then one night, there was one thing in particular that happened that really could not be explained. I love when people get convinced. Yes. (laughs) A large piece of kindling wood that had been set by the fireplace moved up in the air by itself, and Twain grabbed his pistol. He shot at the floating piece of wood, and the wood fell to the floor, as did a few drops of blood. Oh, but Twain didn't see anyone. There was no person. There was no animal. There was nothing and no one. And so he could never really explain what happened that night. But eventually over time, as he's as he's trying to kind of wrap his his mind around it, I think at first he might have been like, Oh my gosh, this is the paranormal experience that everyone was talking about. But then But then later on, he kind of reverted back to his old ways, and he decided that it had to have been a rat. A rat had grabbed the wood and power lifted it into the air. Because rats are known for their muscles. I know. They just bench press wood every day. 2 p.m. workout. That's their routine. (laughs) But the irony of it all, even though Mark Twain did not believe in spirits and was adamant about them not being real, the ironic part is that his spirit is seen time and time again at the house of death. He died just nine wow. years after living in this home. And he's been seen there ever since. And he's often spotted around the stairwell, which is said to be the most haunted section of the home. And people attribute the sound of phantom marching also to Mark Twain's spirit. Wait, Corinne, I am so sorry.
2: But I, as you're telling this story, got the biggest whiff of my, like what my grandma used to smell like. <gasps> we need to go check outside and make sure no one's like smoking cigarettes and make sure like
1: it's... I like can't. Hold oh, my on. God. I have full body chills. Okay, good luck. Good luck. Ah! Wait, did you open the door? Or did that door just open itself? Sabrina? No one It's outside? like right
2: here, just in this spot.
1: That's bizarre. Oh, my gosh. My hands are like freezing. I have chills. I think this is the moment. Remember, <laughs> Conchetta was talking about putting out the vibes and calling upon people to show themselves and you wanted contact with your grandparents and your family members. It's weird. Also, that door right next to you, did you hit it when you got up? Probably. Well, it
2: also moves by itself. It's old.
1: Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, you were getting up to check and then suddenly it opened. And I was like, Sabrina, did you open that? But (laughs) you didn't have your headphones on. So I was just left thinking. See, like
2: it goes by itself right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Maybe that's why Leia's freaking out right now. Maybe. Because there's a woman that she doesn't quite recognize in here.
2: It's funny because she smells like... Her smell was like Listerine and cigarettes because she would hide that she smoked cigarettes all the time.
1: It was a very <laughs> distinct smell. Her clothes smelled like cigarettes and then her breath smelled like Listerine. Yes. Oh my gosh. And coffee,
2: like a mix of like burnt coffee, like Folgers bad coffee. Wow. Sorry. Sorry if you drink Folgers. It's not bad. I'm just like. I drink Folgers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can burn any coffee. Yeah. Man. Okay. Well, that was strange. I think that's really cool. I want to almost like pause so you can like talk to her or something.
2: No, it's okay. Okay. I'll talk to her in my head.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So then Mark Twain's spirit continues to haunt this place. But then after Mark Twain lived there in 1937, the house was converted into a co-op building. So they changed it from a single residence household to a 10 apartment building. So now there's 10 apartments in there. And one of uh, the tenants that moved in was this woman and her daughter and they moved into this building shortly after the renovation was completed, and the two of them actually had a run-in with Mark Twain. Oh my gosh. Guest. So the woman's daughter bumped into Twain as he sat <laughs> on the window seat, and he looked up, and the mother asked, "Who are you? What are you doing here?" and in Twain their responded, apartment? "It was I, I think it was in the the stairwell walking up oh, to their apartment," okay. which is where he's often seen in the stairwell. Okay. Then Twain kind of starts to approach them and responds, my name is Clemens and I have a problem here. I got to settle. And Mark Twain's real name, Mark Twain was his author name, but his real name was Samuel Clemens. Wow, i got a problem here. I have to settle. Yes. And so the spirit of Twain then vanished just moments after, which left the mother and daughter a bit frightened, understandably. Whoa. And it also added to the mystery of Mark Twain's haunting of the house of death. Because everyone's like, well, what is the problem he has to settle? What could be keeping him here? He lived in the house for only 12 or so months. So surely you would think he had stronger attachments to other places. And so the true reason the whatever is keeping him there, we may never quite know. I
2: also wonder if he is at other places as well. He's just seen there most often. Most.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Maybe that's the... I don't know. I'm speculating, but he... I was going to say maybe that had the biggest impact because maybe that is the moment this residence was the the place that he started to question his beliefs of what he thought to be true and, and false in the world. Mm-hmm. And he also was battling with bankruptcy, depression, was trying to write a couple more things before he eventually passed away nine years later. What so. if he left like one of his works hidden in the wall <gasps> somewhere? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want people to rip apart that building. Screw I mean, the it historic like- building. Mark Twain might have papers in there.
2: <laughs> it sounds like they probably did rip open the building a bit in order to build the apartment. So True, they did.
1: They did. and They would have found it. From our research, I didn't see any unknown Mark Twain novels Ugh, discovered so within the cool. walls. But that would have been awesome. <laughs> All right. So then in 1957, Jan Bryant Bartel, she was an actress, psychic, writer, and poet, moved into the apartment on the top floor. Some reports said she was living there with her husband. Others said her daughter. But regardless, she was was there with one other person. Mm. And so she's in this now sought after apartment. It was top floor, really nice. But prior to it turning into a top floor, like basically a penthouse apartment, it was the area that once housed servants. And almost instantly, Bartel could feel something being off in the space. The energy was just off. And she reported that a monstrous moving shadow would actually follow oh. her around the home. <gasps> Ooh, that gave me chills. And then one day, she spotted a man standing in the hall, and she reached out to touch him, and she felt absolutely nothing. But the air oh. that she that was around her and around her hand had changed. She said that she felt chilled and damp. Her fingers were near frozen; they were tingling with numbness, and the air smelled sweet, very sweet. Mm. And so then, Bartel and her other family member that was living here, there with her, they would often smell these foreign smells, as if someone had entered their apartment without their knowing. And in fact, there were a few instances, some strange cases of food actually appearing on the table, food that had not been purchased what? by them, that had what? That's appeared. So cool. Yes, but it had appeared to be rotting as if they had oh. purchased it, you know, like two weeks prior. I read one report that it was that one time they found a grape just like dead in the center of the table okay. on a plate, just like rotting. So I was imagining like decadent spreads like in Harry Potter that doesn't, oh, like, appear no, on the table. That would be awesome. It It is dead, decaying food. So <laughs> Ew. not Ew. quite.
2: No, not uh,
1: that also had pets, and her animals would often show signs of disturbance. They would become aggressive for no reason. Her dog would get really fired up by this one chair. So, mm. seemingly, nothing was there, but- We know the, there was. Their animals were definitely, like, seeing spirits. Ooh. So, as Bartel walked through the home, she would also often hear the sound of grass, glass breaking around her. So, she's like, wow, this is a lot. Uh... There's too much happening here, and I want some answers. So she calls upon a paranormal investigator to come ag- examine the space, and the investigator said that there were upwards of 22 spirits in the home, named Whoa. Mark Twain as one, a woman in a white dress, a young girl, a gray cat, and the psychic also said that they could feel a presence under the home, perhaps under the floorboards. Ooh, someone ooh. someone, and something was dead there, and he ooh. got the message that there were three things. And so he, what came to him was an infant child, a young girl with curly hair, blue eyes and a tiny nose and a small gray cat. Those were the images he was getting in terms of the three deaths Oof. that were buried underneath the floors. Oof. So then the psychic medium he becomes I keep saying he, but I, I'm I'll just keep saying he because I already said it. The medium he becomes entranced and basically essentially possessed. And the spirit who is Coming over the medium calls herself Irene Mallison. She says she was 19 years old. She'd been born in 1848, and whoa. she is pissed off at President Lincoln. She blames him for killing her husband because he had made her husband go fight in the Civil War. Then she starts crying. She's bawling her eyes out for the loss of her of her child. And the medium's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" grabs hold again. Is like, "Hey, you need to leave. Like, this is Bartell's home now. This is it belongs to her yeah. and her family." All of you spirits need to come to terms with the Bartels ownership of this space and you need to move on. And the spirit of Rini Mallison said, never. So the spirits (laughs) remained. Whoa. So feeling quite inspired by the number of spirits and her frequent encounters, Bartel decided to write about living in this haunted home. She was an author after all, and she produced a book. She wrote a book called Spindrift Spray from a Psychic Sea. And she wrote the book while she was still living in the home. And not long after completing it, she actually died of mysterious circumstances. Whoa. So I will say she had been battling with depression and the exact cause of death is up for debate. But her death and a bit of the mystery or, or lack of details around it mm-hmm. uh, have really added to the rumors in terms of the bad luck, a curse mm-hmm. perhaps, and just the excessive hauntings of this, the house of death. Wow. And then possibly the most, well, definitely not possibly, this is the most tragic of events to occur in this home, occurred in 1989. And I'm going to pause to give a trigger warning that the next five or six minutes of me talking are is going to include physical and sexual abuse. Mm. Okay. So around 6.40 a.m. in 1989, 911 operators got a phone call from Hedda Nossbaum and she said that her six-year-old daughter- Lisa was not breathing. So paramedics were sent to the house, to the house of death, which is where they resided. And they were obviously sent there to tend to this girl who was not breathing. And when they arrived, the paramedics were so incredibly disturbed by what they saw. Six-year-old Lisa was laying naked and unresponsive on the kitchen (gasps) floor. Lisa's brother Mitchell had been tied to a playpen nearby. He was soaked in his own urine. He had a bottle of spoiled milk. And the mother, Hedda, was also covered in bruises. She had several broken bones. And the paramedics immediately got to work on Lisa. And as they're transporting her to the hospital, they realize they are unable to revive her. She was dead. They hooked her to life support, but after four days, they eventually unhooked her and she was pronounced dead. The autopsy revealed that Lisa had been repeatedly hit in the head and she had died from blunt force trauma. (gasps) So, Oh my god. Hedda, I know this is extremely disturbing. It's so, so dark, and I think this is why it's called the House of Death, because of what happened here. Right. So Hedda and her husband, they were immediately taken in for questioning. The husband and father, you might be curious, who is this guy? Joel Steinberg. He was a New York City criminal defense attorney. And it was found that after a cocaine binge, Joel had beat Lisa, beat his wife, then left the apartment to go party with friends and he continued to come home oh. and go. He would just come and go over the next several hours. And for 10 hours, Lisa lay there unconscious, dying on the floor in front of her mother and in front of her brother. And Hedda didn't call authorities because she believed that Joel had supernatural healing powers and that he would save Lisa. And so Lisa was left there for 10 hours on the floor. Hedda not making any phone calls until Lisa stopped breathing around 6 a.m. Oh my gosh. and then. Hedda finally made that call to 911. So both Joel and Hedda were charged with first degree murder, but Hedda avoided charges by testifying against Joel. And also, let's remember, she was a victim of repeated abuse by Joel. She had been beaten. She had several broken bones. She had chronic infections when she was seen by the paramedics when they had come for Lisa. She was anemic. She was malnourished. She was extremely weak. The way that she thought,
2: whatever the fuck monster's name is, that he could. Joel. that he could save them like he clearly had so awfully brainwashed and manipulated her
1: completely and she actually wrote a book about it and and it's battered person syndrome and stockholm syndrome keep coming up when you look up her name so Mm. she herself was also very much unable to appropriately act to to defend her kids at the time so it's so sad it makes me so mad i cried writing this (laughs) no (laughs) <laughs> but Hedda admitted that the abuse of Lisa went beyond physical. There was more trauma that happened to Lisa at the hands of other people that Joel had allowed to come in and do whatever they wanted with his daughter. Oh. So <gasps> Lisa's life was tragic. It was disgusting what happened to her. And this poor, sweet little baby passed away. Did the spoiled food hauntings happen after Lisa passed away? Uh, no, that was before. Okay. Yeah, that was before. So, both Lisa and her brother Mitchell, they had been illegally adopted. Essentially, what happened was Hedda had signed – she hadn't signed any legal paperwork to adopt them, but rather the parents of the kids had waived away their parental rights and given the kids to Hedda. So, it wasn't a legal adoption, which actually turned out to be in the favor of Mitchell, the the little boy who – he was something like 18 months old or something like that when he was – Oh, my gosh in his foil diaper tied to the the playpen Ugh, this so he was hard. returned to his birth mother after he was found in the home so there's one silver lining hopefully his mother was able to give him a proper life or find the right family to adopt him after that oh i hope okay so the trial was new york's first ever televised trial because worldwide everyone was like what the fuck is happening yeah this is so gross so disgusting Everyone was so invested in the case and wanted justice for these kids and for Lisa. And so they televised it. Joel was found guilty of manslaughter in the second degree and he was sentenced to jail. He was released in 2004. So that's only 17 years in prison for what he did. Not enough. Not enough. No, It should have been life. Life in prison. And then when he was released, he went on to work in construction. He's now 79 years old. He's living in Harlem. Last that I could see. And if you want to know how he's doing, I will tell you, he's still an absolute piece of shit. Oh my god! In an interview, he told, this is going to boil your blood. He told New York Post, if you go out there and put a picture of me in the paper, I can't take a subway for two weeks because some fat person will decide to say, I know you, you're a piece of shit. And then I turn around and he punches me in the fucking nose. Okay, well, you deserve all of that and don't call people fat. Uh, And then when asked about Lisa's death, he said, what did she die of? She died of pulling the plug. So instead of understanding <gasps> so that he killed take- her, he's not taking accountability. He's saying she died Ugh. because the doctors pulled the plug, pulled her off life sport. And then, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just hate this guy so much. If you really want to get even more pissed off, he they asked him if it was too painful for him to think back to Lisa's death. And he responded, one of the things I do, instead of suppressing the memory, I keep the memory alive. And what I notice and what people have pointed out to me is I speak of Lisa as if she were alive. I don't accept her loss. I don't accept it as a loss. I accept it as a memory. Ew. I know. So he's quite literally the worst, and I hate him. And I'll be looking out for the reports of his death because I'm waiting for it. Ew, 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 monster. Monster. Yeah, this is the true monster. You think ghosts are scary? Joel Steinberg's scarier. Yeah. And what's even more tragic is the medical experts testified that if Lisa had been given prompt medical treatment that night instead of 10 plus hours later, she would have most certainly survived. (laughs) So this is just an atrocious case of abuse and murder. And the spirits in the house of death fell quiet and didn't really have much to do. They didn't. They didn't really act. They didn't come out for some time after this all happened because presumably they were shocked by what they had seen. They were disturbed. Oh, they probably were mourning her. And they were mourning her and all the spirits got really, really quiet for a long time after Lisa's death. But in more recent years, the activity has started to pick up again. It has been said that Lisa's spirit or what is believed to be Lisa's spirit has been seen in the home. I've also read that she's seen with an older woman and with the cat. So- I think Aww. it's it's maybe safe to say that she's being taken care of and she's she's having a good life now. But the activity has started to pick up. A man named Dennis, he has lived in the building for more than 20 years. And he works as a musician and a photographer. And he says that he has seen, quote, little clips and visions of women in long gowns going Ooh. from room to room. And that the lights flicker frequently. And one night, many, many years ago, he was in the middle of a photo shoot. He was He's a photographer and so... Oftentimes, he will shoot in his own home, and he was photographing a dancer in his living room, and he went to go grab something. He left her alone for a minute in the living room, and the the woman was alone and thought she would be alone, and he thought she would be yeah. alone. <laughs> However, the dancer watched as a lady in a long, flowing gown, followed by a cat. This is yeah. you, Sabrina. Walked <laughs> through the wall into the room, and the dancer, witnessing this, is incredibly frightened. She grabs her belongings and she leaves. She gets out of there. Whoa. And Dennis says that this is one of the issues with shooting in his home. One of the difficulties of him <laughs> do, having a photography business that he sometimes has to set in his home is because he said the dancer was not the first person to witness something odd in the building and is not. It's just one of the many clients now that he has that refused to ever <laughs> return to this building. They need to do oh. their photo shoots elsewhere. My gosh. So Dennis has done his own research on the home because he's experiencing things. He's seeing things. He's curious about the house. And so he actually purchased Spindrift, which is the book that Bartel Mm -hmm. had written about her experiences while living in the house. So he purchased it and he said he's purchased 10 copies so far because (laughs) just that one book, that one particular book. Seems to disappear from his shelves time and time Whoa. again. I think the Whoa. ghosts are reading about themselves. I think they're all divvying it up. I think he's <laughs> going to have to do 23 copies because there's 22 ghosts. So if he wants one well, for his, himself. It's like, <laughs> hey,
2: this isn't a library. You can't just borrow them.
1: Yeah. Or bu- borrow them and bring them back. <laughs> right. In a timely manner. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing in your afterlife? You have two days. You can read it all and then oh not by the time. Uh, Other residents have also reported, similar to what Dennis was saying, flickering lights, some electrical issues, a woman in a white dress floating through walls, just as she pleases. Love it. And so if you're in the apartment complex, you should keep your eyes peeled because you may just spot a spirit, perhaps Mark Twain himself, or one of the spirits haunting the neighborhood homes. Because the House of Death is not the only house on the block that is haunted. House of Death is labeled as number 14- so it's 14 West 10th Street, but just a few houses down are a few historic spots. Number 18 is home to the spirit of Emma Lazarus, the author who wrote the poem that is inscribed on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. Hmm. And other notable writers have also lived on the street, such as Dashiell Hammett and Edgar Allan Poe. And so the energy on the block and the spirits who remain Whoa. there basically live in this sort of storybook of their own. Wow and that is the house of death. Oh my God, Greenwich Village. So much so many things happening in that place. Yeah. I know it's loaded. Loaded Whoa. with people experiencing paranormal, people having strings of bad luck, famous people spending time there and just terrible terrible tragedies. Wow. But if you think about the spirits there, aside from what Bartell had, had experienced with, you know, shattering glass and this dark thing looming over her and following her, all the other experiences seem pretty benign. Yeah. I was
2: going to say like overall, I mean, they don't seem like negative ghosts except for that one who doesn't want to leave mm-hmm. and it, it kind of seems vengeful, but even still, they're not terribly haunting ghosts.
1: They're just right. more, this is our home. You're just hanging out. I mean, what a dream to live in this beautiful home
0: that yeah, I is historic. Yeah. see pictures historic.
1: of it. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Oh, that's what I forgot to do. I meant to look up the apartment complex to see if I could find details if there were any units for lease and give, <laughs> give the give the dirty deets on how much money. If I had to guess, I'd say a two-bedroom apartment there probably goes for, I don't know, 6500 It's Greenwich Village. It's prime location. Yeah. It reminds me actually a lot of Boston Apartments. Because they're all old but cost so much money even though they're falling apart and haven't been redone for 50 years. (laughs) But they're built in the same style too. Yeah, true. It's got charm. It's got character, baby. Lots of charm. Lots of charm. Wow. Pretty wild. Next time you're home, Sabrina, in Jersey, pop over to New York and I will. I bet I never passed it before. I'm sure. Especially because it's it's In an area that people frequent and walk around so often, and then the Washington Square Park is right there, which everyone goes to. Yeah, wow. I honestly probably walked by it because when we were doing our live show in New York, there was a morning that you and I were separated, you were with your family, and I was walking Mm -hmm. around and I walked that area. Yeah, I could have walked right by it,
2: and it's in like the pretty little neighborhood. So, of course, you're like looking at all the houses, and you're like, oh, so cute! So cute. I want to know what they
1: look like inside because that's what I always think of. You dream of living in there. The ghosts are just like looking out, being like, I dare you to move in here. (laughs) I dare you. All righty. Woo!
2: Murder, death, skeletons in closets, pornos, (laughs) fire, and a whole lot of haunted. This is the story of Franklin Castle (laughs) in Cleveland, Ohio City, Ohio. So, if you Google image search Franklin Castle in Ohio... You'll be confronted with this gorgeous it's so beautiful it's like a victorian stone mansion it has these red doors and red trimmed windows and it looks beautiful and it looks like this like time capsule of a different time but then if you look more closely and you actually look at all the photos on google images you'll start to see that it's a little misleading because it doesn't look like that anymore and the majority of the pictures actually show what the house looks like now and instead of those cute red trimmed windows and doors, all of them have been replaced with like big, large black boards. So it's like, you know how they say your eyes are at the window into your soul? Mm-hmm. Well, I believe the windows of a house are the windows of the soul of the house. And Franklin Castles are blurted up black boards mm. and Ooh. it is the most appropriate Description and it's like this, like dark soul sucking void filled with trauma and tragedy, and it is very very freaky looking. It kind of reminds me of Murder House from AHS, like it has that Mm. vibe. So Franklin Castle was commissioned in 1881 by Hans Tiedemann, a wealthy German immigrant who who had found success in the world of banking, and he wanted to build a castle built for a queen, and his queen was his wife louise hawk and it took two years to complete and by the time it was done it was a four-story home with a whopping 20 rooms and 80 windows it was a masterpiece and it became one of the most prestigious homes in ohio and then throughout the years tiedemann and their family added onto the home but his additions were not reserved purely for architectural purposes because he left a mark a stain a paranormal stain if you may And this is the beginning of a curse that began to take over the house and still lives in this house. The ongoings that occurred led the house to becoming notorious for much more than the architectural feat, but for a haunted reputation as well. It's so haunted that Franklin Castle is now referred to as the most haunted home in the entire state of Ohio and is constantly listed on the top 50 most haunted houses in the country. So she's spooky. Mm. So in 1883, the Tiedemann family moved into Franklin Castle. And for years, there was nothing notable that occurred. But then in 1891, Emma Tiedemann, who was their 15 year old daughter, was diagnosed with diabetes. And not a few months later, on January 15th, 1891, Emma died from her illness. And the family was grief stricken. But then their pain was made worse when Tiedemann's elderly mother died in the home not long afterwards. So it was like their daughter died their mother died, and everyone thought it was just a terrible, terrible tragedy that had befallen this family. There was so much loss in the home. But then, in the next three years, the Tiedemanns had to bury three more children. Oh my gosh. And it was around this time that people started to worry that this wasn't just tragedy befalling an innocent family, but maybe it was something more sinister. Not an act of God, but an act of man, of Tiedemann. So Tiedemann outwardly appeared to be a very kind, giving, caring father, and he built this home, he had made all these renovations, and on all accounts, he seemed to be a great guy. But as these horrible deaths struck the family, there were there were some more sinister things that started to come out about Tiedemann, that maybe perhaps he wasn't the man that he seemed to be, but that he was more aggressive, violent, and vile towards his loved ones. And some went as far to suggest that Tiedemann had actually sexually assaulted their 15-year-old daughter Emma, who had passed away. Uh, others believe that he may have had a much bigger role in her death and in the death of all their children, and that maybe he had a heavy hand and was violent towards them. All of these rumors have never been verified, but there's definitely some darkness that I think was happening in those walls during these tragedies that it's people believe that there was more happening than mm. it seems. hmm As these rumors spread and the tragedy worsened, Tiedemann and Louise tried to distract themselves from the sadness and they kept doing renovations on the home. So Tiedemann added a ballroom onto the fourth floor that ran the entire length of the house, which sounds amazing, but they built turrets and added gargoyles to the front of the home. And the idea was to make it seem more castle-like, but I feel like these also made the house more morose and more haunting and it kind of was very fitting for the the darkness that they were going through and it started to feel more more what's the right word but like more terrifying than beautiful mm-hmm. Legend says that it was during this time that the infamous hidden rooms and secret passageways were constructed inside Franklin castle and why they were created is something of a of debate but some say that they were created by Tiedemann to uh take his mind off of his daughter's death. But others say that the rooms were passageways designed so that Tiedemann could do his heinous crimes and like do terrible things in secrecy. And there were all these stories of a, one of their servants who worked for them disappeared and never came back to work. And people believe that Tiedemann killed her and buried her in the, one of these secret passageways. This is giving me H.H. Holmes vibes. It has that vibe. Totally. People believe that also he brought his other children down there and maybe was abusive to them. It's unclear and no one knows why they were built, but they were also later used for prohibition, which is cool. Oh, and then there are other people who believe that the tunnels were built built so that Luis, his wife, could try to like slip out of the house without him noticing and that she could get away from him. Oh, So there's a lot of rumor, a lot of mystery, and a lot of uncertainty when it comes to what Mm. was going on in this house, but I think it's clear that it wasn't very straightforward. After the years of horror, Louise Tiedemann died from a liver disease on March 24th, 1895, and the next year, Tiedemann sold the house, and by 1908, he and the entire Tiedemann family were dead, leaving no one to inherit his wealth. So I think in total, they had six children, and... Four of them died within a matter of like five years. And the other two passed away before Tiedemann did. So it it's just tragic. And they believe that this is where the curse of the house began. It was with this family. Whether the family themselves were cursed or Tiedemann was an awful human being and he right. cursed the family by his actions. Mm-hmm. And he th- therefore it stained the house
1: and left it there. Uh, it's unsure. I'm looking... At the photos of the castle too And this is so The house that you picture When the kids are trick-or-treating And they yep. dare each other To go up to this house It's so freaky Because it has the boarded up windows And so it it's menacing
2: But then it also feels like It's gonna swallow you up Yeah Monster it's house super creepy It is It's like monster house mm-hmm. So when Tiedemann sold the house He sold it to some random Joshmo I don't know uh, and the house had a few other owners kind of in the years, but no one seemed to be able to stay for long. And then eventually the home was sold to anti-fascist Germans who supposedly bought the house because of the secret passageways and underground space, which allowed them to smuggle Nazis inside where they could kill them. And while there's no specific proof that Nazis were murdered in the basement of this home, if they were doing it in secrecy, perhaps they wouldn't want anyone to know that they murdered Nazis in the home. So I don't know. We won't know. We can't know. But during that time, the house became home to the largest German socialist library in the world. And they had like secret radio waves going from the house. And they built like a radio tower in one of the spires and were using shortwave radio to communicate to their to their other groups. It feels very like spy. Mm-hmm. Another unverified myth of the home is that the prohibition They used one of the tunnels, and they ran it from the basement all the way to Lake Erie, and they used it to smuggle and bootleg booze into Ohio. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting. And then in January of 1968, the German Socialists sold Franklin Castle to James Romano, and almost immediately after moving into the home, the family members started experiencing strange things. And the Romano children would often speak of their newfound friend that they would play with up in the fourth floor ballroom. And oftentimes the children would ask their mom for extra cookies for their, for their friend or for more food oh, at dinner. Oh, That's adorable. Yeah. And based on the Tiedemans who had lived there, I mean, there's four children who passed away that we know of mm-hmm. in that house. So it could be any number of them.
1: I wonder if as the kids age, they basically graduate into the next spirit of the kid, you know, like maybe oh, they're friends with the 4 year old, And then when they're When the living child turns, like, six, now they're hanging out with the (laughs) six-year-old spirit, you know? That's so interesting. They all grow up together. Oh, cute. Mrs. Romano also began to feel
2: a presence of Mrs. Tiedemann in the home, and she would hear organ music coming from different areas of the house, even though there was no organ in the current home. The hauntings became more and more frequent. The kids would be sleeping, and all of a sudden the blankets would be pulled up above them, like being pulled back and off of them and it was just getting super creepy and lights were turning on and off there were strange footsteps the imaginary friends the toys would be moved and so much more so the family finally decided to reach out for help they contacted the northeast ohio psychical research society which is a local team of ghost hunters to investigate the castle and they did And during the investigations, one of the investigators was so petrified by something, and it's not clear what, that they ran screaming from the house and refused to go back inside. Oh, my God. So the verdict of this investigation was, yes, your house, this Franklin Castle, is haunted. Terribly so. We think that there's a curse here. You need to reach out to the Catholic Church and get a professional blessing. So the Romanos were like, okay, fine we'll reach out to the church. They reached out to the church and the church sent a priest and the priest showed up at the house and took one step inside and said, I'm sorry, I have the worst feeling here. I don't even feel comfortable blessing this house <gasps> and left.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> that is maybe one of the scariest moments is when even that's a, that's supposed to be almost like the last line yes. of defense. And if that doesn't work, if those people mm-hmm. aren't willing to help you, Yeah. And I couldn't find a ton of information, but one of the articles I
2: read said that there, in the history of of Franklin Castle, there have been three attempted exorcisms on the house, which I assume have failed because this house continues to be haunted. But um, I couldn't find much more information about that. But I assume if it's anything like this one man, this one priest who was terrified to do a blessing, it probably was in the similar vein of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally, the Romanos could not stand the hauntings anymore, and in 1974, they sold the home to a man named Sam Muscatello. And Sam had plans to turn the house into a church, and in order to raise funds, he offered haunted tours of Franklin Castle and overnight stays, and apparently, as he was beginning renovations, Sam unearthed one of the more horrid findings of the home, human remains. So up in one of the towers, there was like this hidden panel, and when he pulled it back, Tucked within was a pile of human bones, and no one knows how they got there or who they belonged to, but authorities confirmed that they did belong to a human and that they were very, very old. Whoa. And of course, there are a lot of theories and people, you know, believing that he, that Sam may have planted them as as a rouse to stir up publicity and like get, you know, get more money to make his church or whatever. But the authorities were like, these are real. So either Sam planted them there, or no, if Sam planted them there, then where the hell did he get them? And they are real, which is like some weird poltergeist movie shit. Like, I know Ugh. it's probably easy to buy. I think at that time is it, it was it? easier to buy real <laughs> human like, bones.
1: can just buy
2: a dead person's skeleton? I think it, I mean, they did it in the poltergeist movie and it was cheaper to buy real human bones than than fake. Yeah, I, I'm
1: pretty sure there's like a black market for that, isn't there? <laughs> there's black I market remember, for everything. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure Harvard got in some hot water. Oh, really? Not many years ago because, yeah, they were essentially – I mean, I don't want Harvard to sue me for like missaying <laughs> information. But what I, what I can remember is essentially they were not completely legally going through the right channels to obtain – recently deceased human bodies for the med school students to do autopsies on. Mm, Interesting. It
2: reminds me of that like old story that Lore talked about kind of early on in the podcast of the two guys who had, who were staying in a boarding house and they just would kill people at the boarding house and donate them to the, and say they, you know, donate them to science because the schools were looking for bodies for medical studies. Yeah. Mm. Creepy. So we don't know how the bones got there. We don't know who they belong to, but they were in the house. So it's creepy. If Tiedemann killed someone, left them there, we don't know. Because there's also the beliefs that maybe this is the servant, the employee, the woman who never returned to work. And there were theories that Tiedemann killed her. Maybe that, maybe that. those are her bones. I don't mm. know. So Sam continued to give tours of the house. And during one of the tours, the host was you know, had like a tape recorder playing and it was pulled away from him out of his hand and thrown down the staircase by an unseen force. There were like a bunch of occurrences like that in front of people, things would happen. So you can, I think, I mean, who knows, maybe they planned all those things, but the, the believer in me is like, no, this, this place is haunted. And they didn't know what they got themselves into when they were like, let's do haunted tours Mm -hmm. because after a certain point of time, Sam was like, I can't do this and decided to sell the house, even though he had raised a significant amount of funds to wow. make the house or reconstruct the house, but he decided to sell it. And from there, the castle quickly passed through a series of owners, including the Cleveland chief of police who owned the house for less than a year. Another family lasted less than a year and sold it to another guy who owned the castle until 1984. And people just were not staying long. It was impossible to upkeep. And also the ghosts were starting to be a little much, too much to handle. During the years, the hauntings continued. There were stories of a ghostly apparition carrying an axe being seen late at night. There were passerbys on the street who would walk by the house and see the man holding an axe, like staring out at the, like, out oh at the street. Oh my god. And okay. people would also see... Yeah. People would see like a woman in a long gown in the windows... A small silhouette of a girl was seen throughout the house. There were sounds of crying. There were sounds of choking, like someone was being strangled. Lights were being turned on and off. Objects removed. Cabinets opened and closed. You know, the typical hauntings. Mm-hmm. The ghosts letting the residents know, like, hey, you're not alone. We're here, too. Then in 1984, Judy Garland's fifth and final husband, Michael Davinko, purchased the home. And he invested over a million dollars into the house. To restore it to its former glory, and he and Judy would throw these glamorous galas and balls in the home, and apparently they were like spectacular parties. But people at the party said that they would they would have conversations with people who would just disappear.
1: Oh my god!
2: And even after dumping over a million dollars into the house, Michael sold Franklin Castle ten years later in 1994, and it sat empty for five years. Then in April of 1999, a woman named Michelle Heimberger purchased the home for $350,000, which is not a lot for this castle mm-hmm. with like 20 rooms. And she had been obsessed with the, with the castle since childhood. And so she bought it with the intent to restore it. And she wanted to chronicle her process. She like made a blog and she wanted to document it and write a book about it. But unfortunately, tragedy struck the house on a night in November of 1999, when a series of fires broke out inside the castle, and when, they arri- when firefighters arrived, they found a man unconscious inside the building and they carried him to safety, but later discovered that he had set the fires on purpose because he was a pyro, an arsonist, and he had passed out from smoke inhalation, and so he was arrested.
1: Oh, I thought, but oh, I really thought that he was going to succumb to the smoke in the house, like, did it no. to himself. No, uh, that would have been ironic, but no, he lived.
2: But the fires destroyed almost all of the fourth floor and it just made the restoration process impossible and way more expensive than Michelle could afford. Mm -hmm. So she sold the home and it has been sold and resold and sold and resold The castle is used to film some pornos during the years. So I don't know which ones. I don't know. Maybe people know them. I don't know. But I will let you know. I'm going to go. I'm going to (laughs) do some. Don't worry, guys. I'll do a little research. You'll do some googling. (laughs) Then there were plans of turning the castle into a dinner club, but those failed. And then it was like going to turn into a duplex, like a multifamily little apartment complex. But those came in when it was going to get turned into a museum. But never happened and it's now 2020 and the home still sits decrepit, uninhabited and boarded up. But Franklin Castle has been recently featured on our favorite show, Ghost Adventures, and it aired on March 5th, 2020, so very recently. And during the episode, its I didn't watch much of it, but I watched like a few clips and you know how they interview people and they try to talk about the history of it? Mm-hmm. But So, Zach is asking this guy about the history of it, like, you know, how many people died here. And the guy starts to talk and Zach goes, so you're saying people were murdered? And the guy's like, well, uh, no. And Zach goes, murdered by demons? (laughs) And the guy's like trying to interject and be like, no, I mean, people
1: died here. And then Zach's just like, keep going on and on and on. Turns to the camera. All right. We've got demons (laughs) murdering humans and we're going to send Aaron in alone tonight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there
2: was one part of the show, and I don't, you know, I I take everything in On Ghost Adventures with a grain of salt, but there was one little segment where they were down in the basement area, and one of the cast members, I can't remember who it was, was standing there. It wasn't Zach. Um, and his shadow was, p- p- like, on the wall. You could see a shadow, and it seemed like mm-hmm. it was his shadow. But when he moved, the shadow didn't.
1: <gasps> Ooh! I have chills Ooh, that's so freaky and, it, and then like it, you
2: realize it was like this ominous like really dark kind of foreboding oh my tall God.
1: shadow i literally have full body chills because that's so creepy to think and to have video evidence that you were standing so close i know to Ooh. something that really w- wasn't good yeah
2: even more recently franklin castle was featured on the holzer files which is also on travel channel on November 19th, 2020, so again, less than a month ago, but the haunted home remains unoccupied, possibly cursed for the rest of eternity, and it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1982 and continues to be the most haunted house in Ohio, sitting at 4308 Franklin Boulevard, Ohio City, Ohio.
1: Wow. Let's add it to our road trip map. Yeah. We I really w- should create one. Maybe I'll do that one day, because you can do it on... on. Uh... Google Maps. Oh, that's so fun. You can just drop pins. Maybe I'll drop a pin everywhere we've done an episode. Oh, see how that's we such can a good connect idea. the line. Yeah. That's a fun idea. We should do that. And then we yeah. have to go on that
2: road trip. Exactly. 1000% in our Scooby Doo van. How long is that going to take be- us to go to every single place? Seven years. I don't know. <sighs> and then we can record from the back of the van. That would be so fun.
1: Oh that would be so fun.
2: That will be our first official
1: recording studio. I love Very it. Very professional into it. The only hiccup that could possibly happen is that I am allergic to Leia to cats. What we right. could do though is we could create those tubes. We could get those <laughs> tubes in those like little cat windows and she could essentially have an entire construction all over the oh my gosh. Ghostmobile. Ghost Our ghost mobile. <laughs> yes. So she can just like roam around and then maybe there's a little a little bubble big enough for the two of you. Where we can snuggle every night? A bubble. Thank you so much for my bubble. <laughs> can you imagine we're like driving down these old roads and someone like looks up and there's this bubble on top with you and a cat just like riding. Oh on top we're, of the we're on top. We don't even get a bubble inside. Oh, I guess you could <laughs> I don't know, man. Low square footage. I don't know if it will work. <laughs> Maybe we get two vans. Maybe we get two vans. Yeah. Uh
0: according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Okay, this is from Jesselyn. Hi, girls! I'm a huge fan and a Patreon donor. I'm so nervous to actually be writing to you. Oh, <laughs> uh, my name's Jesselyn, and I started listening in September of 2020, and I'm currently listening to episode 103, the two-year anniversary episode, which I also just realized means that I've listened to two years of your show within a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anywho, I have a ton of personal ghost experiences. But when I heard that you were looking for haunted house stories, which she heard because she's a Patreon donor, so if you don't know, we Mm -hmm. post there, I had to share some about the house that I grew up in. Sorry in advance for how long this email is. Never say sorry. We like as many details as possible. My family and I moved into the small town of Millet, Alberta in 2001 when I was five years old. The first couple of days there were fine, but I soon began having what I thought were night terrors about a man with a crooked head. My mom listened to me tell these stories of the man walking up and down the hall at night and about how he liked to check on me when I was sleeping on the top bunk of my bed. She told me that it was just my imagination and that I was probably just nervous about starting kindergarten in a new town and having to meet new friends. The Fast forward a couple months of me having these experiences with the crooked head man, and my mom is getting settled in. She's becoming friends with the older couple that already lived directly across the street, and it took her many years to finally tell me what she learned from this older couple.
2: Oh, I have chills already. Oh my gosh.
1: Me too. (laughs) She had been telling the elderly lady about my night terrors and the look on the lady's face quickly changed to a look of concern. She began to tell my mom about the family that had lived in this house quite a few years ago. Not the family directly before us, but the family before them. She couldn't remember what exactly had happened, but the wife and daughter had just disappeared. Maybe they got a divorce, maybe the mom got full custody, no idea. But anyway, they disappeared, and after a while of this man living there by himself, a friend of his had gone to check in on him and found that he had completed suicide by hanging in our garage. Oh my gosh. Which would have left him with a crooked head. Whoa. Eventually, as I got a little older, I stopped seeing the man with the crooked head, and I quickly forgot about him. But it turned out my sightings of him were only the beginning. My stepdad at the time was a mechanic, so he spent most of his evenings out in the garage fixing up cars and spending time with a few friends that he'd made in town. Well, I guess on a couple of occasions, while he would be under the car, he would hear someone open the door and come into the garage. Thinking it was my mom or one of her three daughters, he would call out and ask if they were okay, if they needed something, and when he didn't get an answer, he would climb out from under the car to an empty garage. No one had come in, and this happened to him many times. Wow. But one night in particular, he was working on his car and he had thought that it was time to finally start this baby up. He got into the driver's seat and he hunched over to put the key in the ignition. It started up nicely and he was pretty excited. <laughs> he looked over and he had seen a faded gray shadow man watching him plain as day through the passenger window. Ooh. He bolted out of the car <gasps> and he looked up again to face the intruder, but the man was gone. Oh, my gosh. He went inside and he told my mom about everything. And she told him that he'd clearly been drinking too much and sleeping too little. <laughs> but she had been starting to piece things together. My nightmares, his story, and thinking, could it be the same man? hmm The first experience my mom had with this man is one that still terrifies me the most to this day. She was in a glass cubicle shower in the master bathroom. Since it was late and all of the kids were asleep, she showered with the bathroom door open to her bedroom, but kept the bedroom door closed from the rest of the house. She had been washing her hair and turned around to rinse the shampoo out when she saw a dark figure standing just inside the dark bedroom watching her. She had assumed it was my stepdad wanting to get (laughs) freaky. So she said, don't just stand there, you creep. You can join me if you want. And the man stayed there silent for a few moments, just long enough for her to feel something was off. And then he walked away. Ooh. She quickly got out of the shower and she tossed a towel around her and she went to go find him and find out why her husband had ignored her. But there was no one in the bedroom. She threw on the house coat and she left the room to find my stepdad fast asleep in front of our TV oh. in the living room. Oh my she woke him up and asked him if he needed something. And he sat up with a fright saying that he just had the weirdest dream and that he was going to go to bed. Oh, There was so much more that happened in this house. It was hard to narrow down a few main stories, but to end my story on a lighter note, I saved my favorite part for last. We always had cats in the house because my mom loved them and so did us girls. Eek. Over the years, we had a couple cats pass away from old age and natural causes. My mom's all-time best friend, Snuggles, was the hardest loss that she faced. He was only five or six years old when he got extremely sick. The vet completed a surgery, but it wasn't long until the illness came back. At that point, the vet recommended that it was time to end his suffering and to let him move on. So we brought Snuggle's body back to the home and made him a small memorial spot in the corner of the yard where we buried him. Sorry, that was a sad part, but I had to add it for context. So throughout the years, all three of us girls, as well as my mom, had seen a small kitty out of the corner of our eyes. (laughs) He's always walking around the corner, sitting on the opposite couch or running down the hallway. On a, quite a few occasions, I even felt a cat jump onto my bed at night and walk up towards me and I could hear purring. Oh, I love that. So I would roll over to pet the animal, but there were no living animals there to make the sound. It always warms my heart to catch a glimpse of this ghostly kitty or to hear random purring late at night because I'm sure that it's Snuggles or one of our other past kitties sticking around to make sure that mom is okay and to watch his girls grow up. <laughs> so cute. My mom's youngest daughter is now 18 and moved out of the house earlier this year. My mom has been single for a couple years now, and she still lives in that house. She doesn't feel afraid or feel anything negative around her, so she is completely comfortable living there by herself. She's the strongest person I know. She shares my fascination with the paranormal world, and we spend many nights together watching ghost adventures (laughs) or paranormal caught on camera. I'll attach a picture of Mr. Snuggles as well as a picture of me and my mom on vacation in India last year. She's definitely my rock and I am so blessed to have her in my life. If you want to hear more stories, I have a ton of them. Yes. But for now, I will leave it at this. I hope you both have a great day and I'm hopeful that one day you will be able to do live shows again and I will fly somewhere spooky to go to a show. Much love and peace,
2: Jessalyn. Oh my gosh, Jessalyn, have you heard that you and your mom look identical because you do?
1: Also, let's not to be creepy, but like let's normalize sending Sabrina and I a picture of you with your email because I love seeing people. And that's actually a great idea. Yeah. It's helped us. Like there have been a couple times when we did live shows where we recognized people in the audience and knew mm-hmm. their names because we'd read their stories and they had attached pictures of different things. And I like seeing, I like seeing who is emailing us.
2: Yeah. Really lovely. Also, if you, if you can, when you email us, send us your pronouns because we never want to offend
1: anyone. Yes. And we want to make sure we're, we're making you feel comfortable when we're reading your story too. So, and I'll be the first one to, uh. Take accountability and say that there have been many times where I've said he, she, and they all within the same email. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be mighty helpful for us. Yes. But Jessalyn, oh my gosh,
2: look at Snuggles. Look at him in the laundry basket and his little paws hanging over. I know.
1: <laughs> so sweet. So cute.
2: Wow. Okay. The crooked man. I mean, he seems like a nice spirit who's just, you know, unfortunately had a hard go in life and is just sticking around. And still right. in that house.
1: And the fact that he is just checking on her when she's at the top mm-hmm. bed of her bunk bed. Like, that's sweet. And I also was thinking about like, if it is the same man that appeared to her her stepdad at the time in the, the garage, it might make sense that he might not be able to have his full appearance as a, a man in the garage because that's where the tragedy happened to him. And so right. perhaps there is that kind of blur. There is that and he's unable to show his face and who he is, He's just essentially looks like a grayed-out shadow person. But really, right. as soon as he enters the home, he takes on the appearance of who he was when he was living, maybe just with a uh, crooked neck, which is what Jessalyn saw, which yeah. is really scary for a
2: kid to see. Of course. I mean, seeing a ghost, in period, is very scary for anyone to see.
1: Yeah. Jocelyn, have you seen Haunting of the Hill House? Because I feel like <laughs> this would give a little bent-neck lady would... Bring back some memories. Oh, yeah. It's very similar. Wow. Oh, wow. gosh. But at least they have all the cats hanging out. I know. Just as I feel like they're, you know, spirit cats are the best kind. I
2: mean, they're best because they're probably super snuggly. They can probably protect you from any bad
1: ghosts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love I love that they're still around. Yeah. And I hope her mom and and everybody in the family made good friends in town. I feel like that's so scary sometimes to think about moving to a new location a new town and and not know anyone there and kind of Mm -hmm. the slow roll of making friends and especially to those people who made those moves right before the pandemic or as the pandemic started yeah we are your friends don't worry things are gonna get easier i Mm -hmm. myself it took me like six full months to adjust to moving to boston and i knew a couple people here so it's right it's tough but it definitely gets better and, and don't worry Okay. I have a story from
2: Liz and it's called The Basement from My Nightmare. (gasps) Ooh, already. Hello, my spooky friends. I've never been one to listen to podcasts, but my friend suggested we listen to yours while at work. And let me say I am hooked. I kept thinking about all the spooky and paranormal activity that has happened to my family and to me over the years and decided, what the heck? I'll send you an email. So where do I begin? Maybe with the UFOs that scanned my family's farm fields, the two spirits in my mother's home that watched over us as children, maybe even the young girl who cries in the corner of my childhood bedroom. So many stories to tell, but I think I'll start with a story that still haunts me to this day. It all started with a dream. When I was a young child, maybe five or six, I started having this dream, but in the dream, I was a bit older than I was in real life. So I was five five or six in real life, And in the dream, I was maybe 12, and I was in a house that I couldn't recognize. I was surrounded by strangers, mostly taking the form of human-shaped blobs with no real features, because again, strangers in a dream. I was short, and I could really only see people's feet as I wound my way through the loud and crowded room, and for some reason, I got the feeling like it was a Christmas party, but no one seemed to notice me even as I brushed past them. I finally made my way to a corner where I stood, staring at the floor of all the shoes that passed by. And I stood there for quite some time until I suddenly became anxious because someone was noticing me. I looked around to see who in the crowd could have noticed me, but there was nothing, just the shadowed blobs of strangers ignoring me. I pushed myself further into the back of the room away from the crowd, but the feeling of someone watching me only intensified. There was a doorway to my right, and as I turned to face it, I felt a very large shove. As I was pushed into the doorway, I tumbled down the stairs and hit my head. And as I composed myself and tried to stand, I looked up to the stairs that I had just been pushed down or what was supposed to be stairs and they were gone. Where could the stairs have gone? I just fell down them. Stairs just don't just don't just disappear. And as I tried to figure out what had happened to the missing staircase, I looked up, up the doorway, up to the doorway that I had been pushed through and standing there was a tall, black shadow. It was shaped like a human, and I realized as it blankly stared at me that this was the something that had noticed me in a crowded room. It stared at me, made eye contact, and turned away and shut the door. I looked to my surroundings, and I was in a well-lit basement that had carpeted floors and cement walls, and the staircase was on the right wall, and a new washer and dryer were next to me on the back wall. There were three doors in this basement, one in the middle of the front wall and two on the left wall. The door closest to me on the left wall was the scariest of them all. The feeling of dread and anxiety that I had felt when something noticed me upstairs was nothing compared to the fear I felt when looking at that door. And there was scratching coming from behind the door and the door was shaking. Something was trying to get out. As I stood up, the scratching got louder and then I woke up screaming. And I was back in the room that I shared with my sister. I was five years old, and she said that I'd been sleeping very restlessly. I slept in the bed for the rest of the night and told myself it was just a dream. It wasn't real. It won't happen again. Until it did. This dream was very frequent and is the first dream I ever remember having over and over for years. The same scene, the same crowded room, the same staircase, the same basement. The only difference was I would get a little closer to that door with the scratching. And I wrote about it in my diary, I told my parents, I told my therapist, and my parents actually divorced shortly after this, and my mother lived back and forth between apartments and my grandparents' house. Any new place I slept in, this dream still followed me. Eventually though, it went away and I was so relieved. Fast forward about three years, my mother found the perfect house for us. It needed some work so we could only use the upstairs for the first six to eight months. We bypassed the kitchen and the living room by using the doorway closest to the second floor staircase. My mother, two siblings, and myself slept on some mattresses in the only bedroom that was finished. And finally, the work on the house was complete and we could fully move in. It was wonderful. The kitchen was much larger than any apartment we had lived in, and the dining room was spacious. However, the living room made me feel very strange when I was alone, almost like something was watching me from the corner under the second floor staircase. We had lived in that house for over a year before my mom installed a washer and dryer. One day she asked me to go into the basement and do laundry and me being the good older sister told her I didn't need anyone's help. I had done the laundry plenty of times with my grandma and so I walked to the basement door was which was in the same corner under the second floor staircase that made me feel weird. But uh, I was like, get over it. Prove to mom you're an adult. You're 12 years old. So I opened the door, flipped the light on and walked down the wooden staircase. When I got to the bottom, I felt all the hair on my arms stand up. Ooh. Something in me was telling me to turn around, and I turned around, and to my horror, I realized why the corner where the basement door made me feel so weird. This house, this living room, this corner, this basement, they were all from my reoccurring nightmare. Oh God. Ooh. Shaking, I dropped the laundry basket, and panned to the left. The brand new washer and dryer were there, and so were the two doors on the left wall. It was identical to the dr- to the basement in my dream. I couldn't take it anymore. I ran as fast as I could up the stairs, fearing that they would disappear, or disappear on me at any second, and I ran straight out the door and stumbled into the yard, screaming and crying the whole way. I am 23 now, and my mother still lives in this house, but I have not, and will never ever enter that basement alone. This is the same house haunted by two men named Jimmy and Steve who took their own lives during different time periods and watched over my sister during her worst depression episodes. And there's also a young girl who cries in the corner of my bedroom. And still the things that I have experienced with these three spirits are nothing compared to the fear that I feel in that basement. My mom has always wanted to finish the basement, but there's always something stopping us from doing so. A summer where our house was infested with fleas, no matter how often we tried to stop it, contractors will just stop showing up as they're working on the basement. We simply ran out of money one year and my mom gave up and put her focus on other parts of the house. So I don't think we will ever finish that basement. I also think it's important to note that my mother loves Christmas and hosts a party every year on Christmas Eve. Obviously, I stay in the kitchen far away from the living room and the basement doorway. And for those that are curious, I did have my family look into the room with a rattling and scratching door. And yes, It's the only floor in the basement with an unfinished dirt floor. It was an unspoken decision to just not look any further. I have so many other stories of that house that I could go on for hours. Thank you so much for creating a podcast that a former podcast hater could love so much.
1: (laughs) Stay spooky, Liz. Wow. There's a lot here. (laughs) And also the fact that she lived in that house for as long as she did before realizing or recognizing the basement being from her dreams is really scary. I mean, yeah, that she, she never went down there until that day. Yeah, six months. It was six months, wasn't it? Isn't that what it was she like said? almost a year, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh. But the fact she to had that she realized that like it was all beneath you. It was under Ooh. you, living under you the whole time. Ooh.
2: The fact that she had that dream like seven six or seven years before moving mm-hmm. into that
1: house. That's when it started. Very, very creepy. Which which kind of brings up the topic again where we talk about free will. And I do believe everyone has free will, but just like <laughs> w- what is controlled and kind of like the direction of your life, like premonition wise, it will happen no matter what you do versus right. what can you change. And for for whatever the spirits, whoever knew that she would be there for them to give her like a seven years heads up or for, for her to essentially be haunted by this seven yeah. years prior and then live it out. <gasps> oh my God. It's like, man, the time in the house is enough. Like, do you really right. need to go and- Take over the dreams and add to the haunting. But then this house was after her.
2: I know. But then it also makes me think, like we've talked about, like with timeline and how time is we a construct that we've created Mm -hmm. and we don't Mm -hmm. really understand it. Like, is time is everything happening at once? And so was she dreaming an experience that was happening in a different timeline? You know, and right that that house had always been a part of her life and will always be a part of her life. So she was dreaming it because she was living it. Oh my goodness. So freaky.
1: The other, I guess, to, to focus on the good is that there are some spirits in the house that do sound like they yeah. are just either minding their own business or comforting. And maybe it was exactly where they needed to be when her sister was going through that dark period to yeah. have two other men Spirits of men in the house who would experienced something similar to essentially provide their Uh. their support and look over her and ensure that whatever they needed at the time that they didn't get is something that they would give her. Yeah, I mean it definitely sounds like the negative
2: energy was contained to the basement in the Mm. corner under the stairs. So that is good. Dark, dank
1: basements. I hate them. Basements and attics. Although I feel more fear going into an attic because you're. You're so much more exposed, like by just sticking your head first. Like, oh, yeah, that's true. You just I I think that's my irrational fear now is just someone decapitating me as I'm looking into an attic.
2: There was a house that my family looked at when I was in eighth grade and it was before we we ended up buying a different house. But like there was one house that was so scary and it, it ended up staying on the market. I think still to this day, it's empty. Like I think maybe two people have lived in it and they moved out very quickly, Ooh, but it was the creepy. most, we all got weird vibes from it. And the room that I was going to have had stairway, like a full staircase up into the attic. And I am so grateful that, cause it was not like one of those pull down ones. It was like a full staircase and it was like a completed nice attic that was supposed to be like a nice fun space that you can make into a playroom and stuff, but it was terrifying.
1: Oh my God. It makes you wonder because obviously people for the most part hire contractors to do mm-hmm. all the work. The majority of people don't have the skills to do their own renovations. No. And so it makes you wonder, similar to what Liz was saying with contractors, just time after time, like not appearing makes you wonder when they're entering spaces like that, like that one attic that was supposed to be like, Oh look, a fun place to you know yeah. have your kids color. If the people there were like, there's no way anyone's ever going to use this, this space. It's so freaking creepy. Like get the job done and leave. Uh,
2: yeah. And it's crazy because it was a brand, it was a brand new house like completely
1: brand new the soil is the earth it's the energy it's yeah. the people it's the materials being brought in it could be anything anything
2: Ooh, so many haunted houses please send us your stories we email love them. them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com also liz i need to hear about the ufos roaming your land because
1: what that's oh, not know. and also she uh had a ps sorry sabrina was reading along to the email <laughs> as you were reading but she lives, or the house was in Northern New Hampshire, which is where Barney Hill, Barney and Betty Hill, the abduction happened. Northern oh. New Hampshire. That alien encounter that you had covered previously. So it's
0: so, an alien so maybe hotspot. It's the
1: same aliens. We gotta know. Uh, yeah, so thank you. Send us your emails. You can also uh, follow us on social media. We are most active on Instagram, and our Facebook group is popping. That's where a lot of listeners mm-hmm. are. I think our group has like 20,000 uh, people as a part of it on Facebook. And we have a great group of moderators who watch over it and approve posts and, and try to keep it as safe and fun and light as possible, while also including mm-hmm. plenty of the creepy ghost stories. So join us there. Follow us on Instagram. We have Twitter. I love, uh, tell your friends. Tell everybody. I think that's a, tell that's a
2: big everyone. one. Tell people. A shout out to Eric Foster and your entire team at Upfire Digital. Thank you so much for editing our podcast. We appreciate you. And we will
1: see you on the other side. Very spooky.